Back in Hebrews chapter 6, I want to talk about some fundamentals. I think the church needs to go back to the fundamentals. And every now and then, you know, you hear the term reset a lot lately. Some, some think to have reset buttons. We talk about a reset of the economy or a reset of this or a reset of that. I, le I believe that from time to time the church needs to be reset back to the fundamentals of what Christians believe. And true born-again Christians believe that Mary was a virgin. In fact, you can't be saved if you don't believe that Mary was a virgin. The Bible's very clear about that. You must believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He really did die, and he really came back to life. And if you don't believe those things, you have not been saved. So I just think it's important that we teach them. In fact, the Bible says very clearly that whosoever believeth on me shall be saved. And the Bible says very clearly if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What we really need is a revival that will sweep the land where millions will be saved. That's what we really need. And in order to do it, we need more fundamental preaching. What does fundamental mean? It's not a denomination, really. I mean, I think there are some denominations that use that word, but that's not a, what it means. It's kind of like in basketball. You've got to learn how to dribble. You've got to learn how to shoot. You've got to learn how to pass, or you're really not a player. In fact, you've got to learn the fundamentals in everything. In your career, you got some training, right? You have to learn how to do what you do in order to start succeeding and excelling same way to be a christian and in chapter six of hebrews it tells us what the fundamentals are he says now he's about to go into some deeper topics which we're not going to get into today which i would love to teach sometime if you want but uh, he said we're a, he, the author of hebrews is say we're going to get into some deeper topics and We've already taught the fundamentals, and here's what, here's what they are. In verse 1, he says, the last line, it says, We have laid the foundation of repentance from dead works to faith toward the Lord, of the doctrine of baptism, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection, and of eternal judgment. And that's not all of the fundamentals of the word. You know, there are some others, as I mentioned, the virgin birth of Christ. You must believe, in order to be a Christian, that God created the world. A person that doesn't believe that is not a Christian. You must believe that the Bible is God's holy word. A person that doesn't believe that is not a Christian. We're not teaching too much of this anymore. What does it actually mean to be a Christian? Does it mean you go to a church and you sing songs and you praise God? Well, that's part of 
living for Christ, yes. But to be a Christian requires that you actually believe what Jesus taught. And if you don't, you're not a Christian, so don't. I, I, I just got to tell you that because once in a while, I think people, maybe they get the wrong impression about what a Christian is. And so basically I'm saying this. Randall Christie, uh, an adult, an American, a uh, good person maybe, possibly, you know, hard worker, whatever. But if I don't believe those things, I am not going to heaven. And it's important that people know that. I've been thinking about that ever since I heard about what's happening to our Christian brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. By the way, it was one of the fastest growing churches on earth. And that means more people were being saved in Afghanistan than just about anywhere else. I think right now uh, the number one spot on how many people are being converted to Christianity is in Iran. And uh, Afghanistan is right up there with them. And so you see what's happening, don't you? The devil has done something here to try to squash the church in Afghanistan. And young people, please don't get mad at me. But this country was built on Jesus, and if we keep electing totally godless ungodly people that hate everything about Christ and everything about the Bible, the same thing will happen to us. There has never been a nation in the history of the world that is endured as a superpower forever. None. And we're young. We're only about 400 years old when it comes to the pilgrims. Now, our nation was established in less time than that. But 400 years is when the pilgrims came to start the first cities, first villages. It's been 400 years. And I think it's 400 years this year, actually. And I think it's interesting when you read through the Bible about the history of Israel, about every 400 years, they allowed false gods to become equal in respect with the one true God. They began to be decadent, worldly, sinful, more concerned with money than God. And about every 400 years, they got conquered by another nation. And here we are, the promised land for the Christians. We're at that 400 years mark, and we are undergoing a test. And it's a big test. Because for the first time in U.S. history, there now is another force that literally has the manpower to defeat us. And that's China. And I'm not saying that they will. I'm saying they are equipped to give us the first war on our home shores. And that is communism. Did you know communism is 
first cousin to Satanism. Satan wants to bind the people, oppress the people, take everything away from the people. Jesus wants the people to prosper. He wants the people to grow in their faith, grow in the wealth, grow in their power. Jesus commanded his people to occupy the land until he returns. And so we really ought to be using this lesson right now in Afghanistan as a teaching moment for all of our children. Do I think we should keep a war going in Afghanistan? No, I haven't thought that. For, I thought we should have got out of there 10, 15 years ago. Uh, that's just my opinion, okay? But right now what we've done is we have left our citizens there. We have left our closest allies there. We have left $83 billion of military equipment there. And we took our troops out. That's exactly the opposite of what our nation is supposed to do. Throughout history, we get our people out, our equipment out, and then we take our troops out. That is the only Christian right way to do. And it has created a very deadly situation for tens of thousands of people in Afghanistan. I am just so hurt in my heart for these little ones. Because they won't just stop at the adults. They'll make all these little kids their slaves. We're not talking about a few dozen people here. We're talking about tens of thousands of people. America better get back to the fundamentals that made us strong or we will lose. And the fundamentals are listed, part of them, here in Hebrews. But Brother Randall, religion and government are not supposed to mix. Fooey. That's about the mildest word I can say from the pulpit. But I feel a lot worse than that. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. It is a lie. It is not true. The Christian people are supposed to occupy the land. If, if Christian people won't run the government, guess who will? Satan's people. I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about the heart of man, the heart of a woman, the heart of a U.S. citizen that loves Jesus Christ and believes in these things the Bible teaches. That's who needs to be making all the decisions in our government. That's who needs to make the decisions in the churches. If you want to go to a church that won't preach this, you're folly. Every church ought to be preaching this right now. We are in a test. Our government, our people are hurting. There is a one world government, a new world order that's trying to dominate us. 
It is not a conspiracy theory. Quit sloughing it off and making fun of what the Bible says. The Bible says it. It's true. The fundamentals are good news. It's all good news. It's all great news. It's the best news. This is why the Afghans are willing to die for Christ. Because it says the, the foundation of repentance, that's the number one thing. That's the foundation. If a building doesn't have a good foundation, it starts crumbling, right? Guess how the foundation of this building is built? I don't know if you all know it, but Union, some of you all live here. You know it. Union Valley, you, you dig about a two-foot hole out in the yard, it's going to fill up with water. The water table is right here. And that's why this ditch that runs out here is a stream and it never dries up, even in the worst drought. It's a spring right down the road. Remember, does any of you all remember when people that lived here had pipes sticking out and water coming out and people would come by and fill up their buckets I mean, that when I first came here, there was still some of those pipes coming out of the ground with artesian water coming out. That's what this place is. It's, the, it's like the Argo, Arbuckle Aquifer pushing out right here. Springs, artesian water. Now, if you got that kind of soil and ground to build on, you can't just build a typical foundation. You can't just go, say, dig a footing and stack some blocks or whatever. There's a point to this. In Afghanistan, they had to build a church on totally different ground. In China, they're having to build the church on totally different spiritual, spiritual ground. You get it? It's all different than it is here. We have been spoiled rotten. We got everything we could ever want. We got our flat screens. We got great cars to drive, great houses to live in. I'm not putting any of that down. I've got them too. I'm not against that. I'm 100% for it. But guys, the ground here is different than it is in those Islamic countries, communist countries, Hindu countries, Buddhist countries. It's all different, isn't it, Brother Mike? When you go as mission trips in those countries, you have to do things a little different, right? Right now, it's dangerous to go to India. There was a few years ago, Mike was leading uh, trips to India. Lots and lots of people, thousands of people got saved. Right now, it's literally dangerous. You're likely to get killed in certain parts of India. There's still a few places, if you go in quietly, to train pastors and teach them how to work on this in this kind of soil, in this kind of environment. And so what is this foundation of this building? We couldn't just pour concrete because all of the groundwater in the shifting ground table, water table, would crack it this big of a foundation. So there's cables, big cables about that big around, running at a across at an angle every few feet through this concrete. And then you let the concrete set up and you get those big, you put bolts, I mean nuts, on this cable and tighten it down. They have 20,000 pounds of pressure on each cable. So it's called a post-tension foundation. 
And I don't know why this hit me when I was hearing about Afghanistan. But guys, they are about to be racked. They're about to be. They're going to try to destroy the church in Afghanistan. And if it's not built on a foundation of repentance, it will crack in every way imaginable. That post-tension foundation is also called a floating foundation. Some people call that. Both of these buildings are built that way. It was extremely uh, much more expensive. Actually, the chapel was built that way too. Of all post-tension cables. And the reason they call it floating is because when the ground shifts, because the water table shifts, the whole building will shift with it instead of cracking and breaking. And so the Afghan church is about to be put to the test. But I stand here this morning telling you the church in America is also being put to the test. Some churches are hiring preachers so they'll preach the right social message. That's a fact. So they won't offend anybody. Now, I'm not trying to be smart, Alec. Please understand I'm trying to say this out of love. But if you are offended by the gospel and the message of repentance, that is a problem you need to work out with Jesus. It's not my fault. A lot of churches are firing preachers that preach repentance and preach the Bible. If you don't lay the foundation of repentance, you cannot build a church that will last. What does it mean? It means that if we want to be a Christian, you've got to say, Lord, I'm going to leave my way behind, and I'm going to turn my life around, and I'm going to go your way. That's repentance. There's a lot of different ways to describe it, but that's the best I know how. Lord, I am not going to try to add you to my life. I'm going to make you my life. I'm not going to try to fit you to my mold. I want you to mold me. That's repentance. Only you can do it. I can't give you a recipe on what all you need to do to repent. I can barely do that for me. You have to do that with the Lord. How many know that if you pray to Jesus Christ, he will hear you? And he will help you be more like him as time goes by. But if you're not willing to change your mind, you have not repented. He says the next one is baptisms. No, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. But if you refuse to be baptized, you won't go to heaven. Now, <laughs> it may not sound too Baptist to you, but anybody that has an attitude that tells God, You're, I will not be baptized, that person's not been saved. You know what the saved person does? 
the one that realizes if they draw their last breath, they'll wake up in flames of fire. You know what the saved person does? The one that's truly saved? They tell everybody about Jesus. I believe and I'm willing to do anything he wants me to do. That's what a saved person does. A person that comes to Christ in rebellion saying, I'll pray to you, Jesus, but I'm not going to get baptized. That person is not saved. The heart reveals. There are some people that don't get a chance to be saved. I mean, to be baptized, pardon me. What about that soldier that's out there fighting and they accept Christ and they give their life to Jesus and they don't get a chance, they get killed in action. They go to heaven. They go to heaven. The thief on the cross went to heaven. Person on their deathbed in the hospital. They accept Christ and they really mean it with all their heart and they repent of everything they've ever done in their life. They're sorry for it. God forgives them and they die before they get out of the hospital. They go to heaven. So no. Baptism is not required to go to heaven, but a person that rebels against God in their heart and says, I will not do this or that is not saved. And you need to be saved. Time is short. I'm so willing. You know, I can't run very far. Susie runs far. Jerry runs far. I used to say, when I get to be 80-something, I sure hope I can look and act and be like Jerry. I don't say that anymore. I say, when I get to be 65, I sure hope I can look and act like Jerry. But I promise you one thing. If the Lord told me to stand on my head in that corner till, I, till he told me to leave, guess where I would be? If the Lord told me as a lost person, rich man, you have to sell all you have and give it to everybody and give everything away or you can't inherit the kingdom of God, guess what I would do? If the Lord said, and I was lost, and I had not been saved, and I realized if I die today, I am going to burn in hell. If I realize, I mean, I really realize that, I would do anything that God asked me to do, wouldn't you? That person is saved. That person does not tell God, I'm not getting baptized. It's fundamental. You can't be a Christian without the fundamentals. Then the third one is laying on of hands, and that's something the Baptist church really hasn't done a very good job teaching. The Bible teaches us to... Lay hands on people and pray for them. Lay hands on the sick. The Bible says it. Jesus, brother James, he said, lay hands on the sick. Pray for them. God will heal people. 
The prayer of faith will save the sick. There are times when it's God's will for that person to come on home. We know that, right? Laying on of, there's power in laying on of hands. There's power. It's very fundamental. And it's something we don't teach enough. And I'm just trying to say, I don't want to be accused of not teaching the fundamentals. When I get to heaven, I don't want Jesus to say to me, Randall, why did you skip those parts of the Bible you didn't like? I'm not doing it. I may not fully understand it, and we don't have to totally agree on everything to serve Jesus, but I'm going to preach the fundamentals. And laying on of hands, healing the sick, encouraging others. Some people are way down in the dumps, and you can just touch them, and it just fires them up because the Spirit of God is in you. The fourth one, it says, is the resurrection of the dead. Not only the resurrection of Jesus, but the, resurre the future resurrection of the dead. Actually, there's uh, people that are brought back to life today, but that's two different things, okay? Somebody that dies and is brought back to life, that is not a resurrection, that's a healing. And people do come back to life. There's a lot of people that will tell you, I died and God told me it wasn't my time and I came back. I believe every word of that. I have no trouble at all believing that. But the resurrection's a little different. The resurrection is in the future. When God, begin, when God decides it's time to restore this earth and recreate the earth, he is going to not only bring all the Christians ever throughout time, back to life, but they're going to be given a resurrected body. That means a body that is created to live in the presence of the glory of God. The glory means the bright, intense light, the bright, intense radiation. It's like getting close to the sun without getting burned. That's what a resurrected body is. You're going to have one. I'm going to have one. And what I was trying to say a while ago about Susie and Jerry running and they're in shape and all this, which I should be too. I really don't have any good excuse. We're all going to be in good shape when our bodies are resurrected. We're going to be fit for heaven. And we're going to be able to walk into the throne room of God and not die. This body would die. That's why we sang Rock of Ages, Clever. I didn't pick it out. Charlotte did. But you know where that song comes from, right? Moses saw the bright, shining, ultra. I mean, there is no light on earth like the brightness of the glory of God. It's intense. It will kill you. And so Moses said, Lord, let me hide in this cleft of this rock. Put your hand over it. In other words, shade me 
shade me from the glory of your brightness because I know I cannot live in its presence. And he, you know, that's when a person realizes it doesn't matter how good I've been. It doesn't matter how wonderful things I've done. I mean, it does matter. All those things do matter. They do matter. But when it comes to the presence of the glory of God, a human body cannot live in that glory. So, praise God, we are going to be resurrected. Just like Jesus. What about that person who scattered their ashes? You know what? It's no problem for God to create that person a resurrected body. What about that person that died at sea? It's no problem for God to create that resurrected body for that person. It's no challenge for the creator to recreate us a body. You see, you are a soul. Your soul came from heaven with a purpose. Your soul hopefully will find Christ, hopefully already has. You're still maybe working on that purpose, so are all of us. And sometimes that purpose changes. I'll tell you what my purpose is in life. My purpose in life is to win people to Jesus and get them ready for the return of Christ. That was revealed to me a long time ago. And that is my purpose. And I wonder sometimes about, you know, I'm not asking for pity, but sometimes I wonder, you know, I've got that brand new truck out there. I've never had a fancy truck like that in my life. I usually drive some old clunker. But I bought a new truck, and I'm making a payment. Got to love it. They don't want you to talk on the phone, and then they create a dashboard that looks like the space shuttle. Like, that's not distracting. Where was I? <gasps> Here's the deal. I've had it four months. i got 20,000 miles on it. And sometimes it's tempting to stop. But God is not ready for me to stop yet. And he's not ready for you to stop yet. Serving the Lord. The future is bright. You're going to get a resurrected body. You're going to be able to live in heaven with Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. There'll be no need of the sun. There'll be no need of the moon because God himself will light the city. And it's a big city. It's no small city. If you go from Canada to the southern border, it's about 1,500 miles, roughly. If you go from California to the center of the country in Oklahoma. It's about 1,500 miles. And the city of heaven, the Bible says, is 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles long and 1,500 miles tall. It's no small city. My point is, 
He's not going to read off a list of sins because those sins have been washed away. But I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I, so I want that more than anything in this world. The only thing I want more than that is to win millions of people to Jesus Christ. And so eternal judgment is not something for you to dread. Eternal judgment is rewards for his children and the work that you did. Eternal judgment is not a doomsday. It is a coronation day. It is graduation day. It is the time that we move from this body that holds us back, this body that has sicknesses and ailments and restrictions, and we are set free in a resurrected body that will live with Jesus forever in heaven, and we should be looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. I was 14 years old when I preached my first sermon. And that's the sermon that I preached that day. And I want you to know God is not finished with you and he has a job for you. Are you willing? If you've never given your life to Christ, would you do it today and really mean it?